0: And Lord, uh, thank you that we can read the written word that is inspired by you through the prophet Isaiah, even though it was written 2,500 years ago. It is for us today. And Lord, uh, it is profitable. And I pray that as we read the things that are being said here, that there are things for us to learn and to take away and to apply in our lives. So may we have ears that are open to you and Lord, may we have our hearts soft before you to be teachable. And Lord, I know that maybe perhaps in a lot of ministries or churches, there can be a diminish of the word of God. But we are gonna be instructed how important it is that we continue to go line upon line, precept upon precept. And so Lord, I do pray that as we do that, even tonight, that your word would be worked deep within our hearts. And it would take root there. And fruit would be produced father i do pray that you'd bless the youth upstairs as they're having their lessons and the kids in their classrooms I thank you that we can present the word of god to them and that they would be grounded in your word lord that they would come to love you and to know you and lord i do pray that that lord is are finishing school i know some of the college students uh be entering into finals in a week and a half and and then the high schoolers and, and the rest of the kids, that they would finish strong, that this can be a time of the year where it can be very stressful and uh, with projects and reports and exams and everything else going on. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless them in every way, that you help them to finish well, and, and uh, Lord, just be with them. Father, I also pray that it's a time of the year where those who work the land are trying to get in their fields perhaps or lord i just pray for the right amount of moisture to come it it seems dry but uh, lord we look at the fires destroying homes down in down in fountain and uh, an area where uh, i went to high school and it's it's so sad to see the destruction and and down in eastern colorado uh, fires so big that they move into kansas and and Oklahoma, and it is dry and parched, so we pray for moisture down in that area. And Father, um, we know that there's drought in this nation, spiritually. A drought for the word of God. A drought for uh, looking to you. And so I pray for refreshment tonight, for renewal. I pray that you would uh, begin that here, and that we would be able to touch others. And we pray for our nation. We pray for, uh, Lord, a great awakening. That you would pour out your spirit in these last days. As we see the events around us taking place. Lord, we know that we are in very unique times. So, Lord, I I know that you want to save. And as we are rushing towards the return of Jesus and the rapture of the church, not knowing the day or the hour, but Lord, knowing the seasons as we see these events that are coming to pass. Jesus even said, look up and rejoice for your redemption draws near. So we want to be awake. We don't want to be sluggish. We don't want to be slumbered. But to keep our eyes on you, Lord, and to know that you have us here for such a time as this. So I pray that tonight would be beneficial and and encouraging to us. And so we just commit the study to you and everything that takes place here. Help my voice to hold out as um, the wind's blowing, the allergies and, and all that just plays havoc on me. And and Lord, I just pray for your strength to be able to get through the Bible study. So Lord, um, we just commit everything to you tonight. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So if you hear me sniffling and stuff, the, the wind that everybody has enjoyed over the last few days um you know just the allergies are kicking up and stuff so um we'll get through tonight you know i never had any problems with allergies ever before till i got old so now it's a now it's a problem but we'll get through it isaiah chapter 28 we began to look at this chapter last time and Isaiah is given this prophecy at the beginning to Ephraim. Now sometimes you'll read Ephraim as a title to the ten northern tribes of Israel and uh, this prophecy being given that judgment was going to come to them, and, and Isaiah is directly uh, addressing their sin of drunkenness and, and the leaders as well. And then he's going to give a proclamation again, this prophecy against Jerusalem that we will see at the end of the chapter here today and into chapter twenty-nine. But but Ephraim would go into captivity just about uh, three or four years after uh, Isaiah gives this word to the people. They weren't listening. Uh, they, They weren't paying attention. They had diminished the word of God to a great degree and that's kind of where we left off at verse 10 last time that they were making fun of Isaiah because of his teaching line upon line and precept upon precept so let's pick it up at verse 11 as the prophet continues to speak to them for with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people to whom he said this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing Uh, yet they would not hear in verse 13 but The word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept and precept upon precept and line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. So Isaiah is warning them once again about the consequences of rejecting the simple message of the Lord that you're going to fall backwards, that you're going to be broken, you're going to be snared. And as verse 12 is telling them, you are not going to be refreshed you're not going to find rest. And we know that as we've been doing our study on Sunday morning in the book of Hebrews, that in chapter four, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, that the writer of Hebrews was warning those Hebrew believers that, listen, don't miss out on the rest that Christ has for you and has provided for you in Him, in the finished work of the cross and what he has brought to you in forgiveness of sin, that he is the one that saves to the uttermost. He is the perfect high priest. And he would use the illustration of the children of Israel that were brought out of Egypt, came to the border of the promised land. As you read there in Numbers chapters 13 and 14, they were go to go into the promised land, but they didn't. Uh, they, they murmured, they complained, they said there's giants in the land. Even though God had give given them his promise that I'll drive out the inhabitants, I'll defeat those giants, it's yours, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and they didn't enter into that Canaan rest. Uh, They didn't enter into it because of of unbelief and disobedience and disregarded the word of God. And I believe that happens today with us Christians if we are one that diminish the word of God. You know, I, I read one commentator that said, if you don't learn in the sanctuary, then you're gonna learn in the storms. And I think that is very true, that I want to learn what God's word has to say because there's wisdom in God's word. It tells us how to live, how to live that abundant life that he has for you and for me and being refreshed and renewed with the word of God, the promises, and that I pray for all of us that we would rest in his promises and his his love that he has for us. And you see, so many Christians miss out on that because they don't know the word of God. They don't know the promises of God. And so they're, they're buying into every wind of doctrine and being tossed to and fro, and, and their faith is shaky and weak. And, um, and so the way for you and I to grow in maturity, even as the writer of Hebrews, then in chapter five, he addresses their dullness of hearing, that you guys have this dullness of hearing at a time where you ought to be teachers. There was nothing wrong with their ears It was all in their hearts, not wanting the Word of God. And my prayer, really, my heart for all of you and for myself and for my family is that we would never have a dullness of hearing, that we would never become sluggish, and that we would never become bored with the Word of God. Please don't go that direction. And I've run into people plenty of times that said, Well, I went to Bible study, I've read the Bible. I used to go to church, and they're no longer taken in the word of God. And I pray that as we do, we are refreshed and renewed. And here Isaiah is saying, line upon line, precept upon precept, is the way that you are to learn uh, for you to be refreshed and renewed. And it's true for you and for me today. And that's why I I am committed to teaching you the word of God chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And I really believe that that's what we need today. I am in the very essence of my heart that that is the central theme of what God has called me to do is teach the word of God. And I am so thankful that I've been given that vision and that ministry for my pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, who just taught us guys to teach the word of God, to go through the scriptures and to watch a man be faithful to do that. And as I look at the scriptures, I see that exhortation is given over and over and over again. And we've gone over it. We mentioned it a little bit last week. That even Paul told Timothy some of the last words of Paul the apostle, that Timothy, in these perilous times that we are in, when evil men and impostors are going to grow worse and worse, what must you do? You must continue in the scriptures which you have learned from childhood. He didn't say, "Oh, Timothy, you're pretty smart in the scriptures. Why don't you try to try to be philosophically enlightening, or you know, try to be entertaining, or any of those kinds of things." He said, "Timothy, listen, you must." You must continue in the scriptures for all scripture is inspired by God. God breathed and it is profitable for doctrine, for uh, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that every man may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And a way for you and I to be equipped to live a life after Jesus and to serve him is to be one taken in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And you see that is something that I want to instill in the next generation that is coming up because what can happen is culture can kind of come in and really begin to change the church or, or have influence on the church to diminish the word of God. And we've seen movements of God that were at one time just powerful and a movement of the Holy Spirit with the word of God being taught that is now diminished and and some of those movements are even dead because it begins with, we don't need to teach the word of God. So I'm determined to continue to do that here at Calvary Chapel, to take you through the scriptures, to take you line upon line, precept upon precept, here little and there little. And I pray that as we do, we're gonna see God just continue to work and your faith is gonna grow and we must continue in the scriptures. We must be about Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is something that Isaiah was saying in his day when it was very, very difficult and sin was rampant and, and um, <clears throat> there was you know, idol worship and immorality and all this. The word of God. It's the word, it's the word, it's the word, all right? So I think I've made that pretty clear that that's what we're gonna be about here at Calvary Chapel. But, you know, just growing in the word of God is, I'm so thankful, aren't you, to have the word of God to be able to go to? And to be able to learn the scriptures and to know his wisdom and his ways and his promises. So please, in your own life, don't diminish that ever. And as you continue, you're going to grow in faith and you're going to be refreshed and you're going to be renewed. And um, if you don't learn in the sanctuary, you're going to learn in the storms. And oftentimes Christians do that because they went in a direction or made decisions not based on the word of God, but what culture and society was telling them to do. But as we continue on in verse 14, therefore hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us for we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood we have hid ourselves. So don't have confidence in those false, sinful leaders, and especially those who diminish the importance of the word of God. And I wanna remind you again that Paul, in his letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter two, he said, you be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And now it's gonna switch to where Isaiah is gonna be speaking to Zion or to Jerusalem. That's gonna continue as we go into chapter 29. But verse 16, therefore thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone. For a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, whoever believes will not act hastily. So this may sound familiar to some of you that... read this because first Peter chapter two quotes this that Jesus that he is the chief cornerstone uh, and that he is the foundation of our lives and he's the chief cornerstone that chief cornerstone being the very cornerstone that all the other stones are lined up to and he's the one that we line our life up to plus he is the very foundation that we are to build upon and as you know most of you that Matthew chapter seven at the end of the sermon on the mount you <laughs> That Jesus said that you be the wise one that hears these saying of minds and then does them. is like in the one who builds their house upon a rock, a solid foundation. And then when the storms come, that house is able to stand. And all of us are going to have storms that will come into our lives. I think that most of us, if not all of us, we know that to be true. And as we build upon the rock, Jesus Christ, not just knowing the word of God, but also doing it, that is the one who is wise. So keep building upon him, upon the word of God. Keep trusting in his word and upon his promises. It's the fool that heard the sayings of Jesus but didn't do them. And when the storms came, great was the fall of that house. So we build upon him. He's our foundation. He's our cornerstone. In verse 17, also oh, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the pulmet. And The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies. and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. Verse 19, as often as it goes out, it will take you. For morning by morning, it will pass over. And by day and by night, it will be a terror just to understand the report. So righteousness is what we build on the foundation. The ungodly leaders of Jerusalem had made their lives, uh, you know, their lies a refuge, and it's all going to be swept away. And there's a lot of voices that are out there in the world today, and, and a lot of false voices. Listen, this is really important. That are even in the church today. And I want to remind you again. I know that you know this, but make sure that you filter everything through the Word of God. John would say in his epistle, test the spirits to see if they are of God, for many false teachers have gone out into the world. So you make sure the things that you hear and and, and the teachings that are going forth on the TV, even me, that you're hearing, that you you search the scriptures to see if these things be so. Because that is our final authority. And there can be those who sound so clever, they sound so philosophical, they sound so good, but it's not biblical. So make sure that you... Run it through the word of God. And all of that false teaching and false concepts and precepts are going to be swept away one day. But we are to continue in truth is what we are being told. And the false teaching is going to be trampled down. And in verse 20, for the bed is too short to stretch out on and the covering so narrow that one cannot wrap himself in it. For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Parazim and he will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon. That he may do his work his awesome work and bring to pass his act his unusual act now therefore verse 22 do not be mockers lest your bonds be made strong for i've heard from the lord god of hosts a destruction determined even upon the whole earth so you know a bed that's too short and your feet kind of overhang you know or the covers aren't long enough you don't get a very good rest do you and you're not very warm i hate that i hate that Matter of fact, just a little story. Um, Sue got her knee surgery and um, knee replacement a couple weeks ago. So the first couple days at home, she has this knee machine that you know goes up and down and, and it, so it takes up the whole bed. So she had to do that while she was in bed and sleeping because that rehab's really important. Some of you have been through that. And um, so that meant that I was right across the hallway in the guest bedroom, which I haven't slept in that guest bedroom in like 25 years. And um, the bed's too short. So I have not gotten a good night's sleep for so long. And it's like, this is driving me crazy. And uh, so now that that part is over with, I'm trying to get a good night's sleep, but now the allergies have kicked in. And so, so you know how that is when you know you're, you're taking a nap on a couch or whatever it is, and your feet are hanging over, you just can't get comfortable. So it's almost like as you get cheated in the word of God, you're not going to be comfortable. You're not going to find that rest. And here they're being told that the Lord's going to rise up. And in verse 21, Isaiah uses a couple of references in the Old Testament. He uses 2 Samuel chapter five, verse 20, when God gave David Mount uh, Parasim in, in that battle there. And David, he, he would listen to the instructions of the Lord and, and he was able to break through the lines of the enemy. Listen, some of you may be in a really deep and difficult battle right now. And the enemy is throwing everything he can at you. The darts of discouragement, the darts of of lies, uh, condemnation, whatever it may be. But as you just rest on the Word of God and know that He's going to rise up, and the battle belongs to Him, you're going to break through. And as you submit to God and resist the devil, He will flee from you. And that's what I want to encourage you in, because it, it is a battle, isn't it? And, and Satan never takes a day off. He doesn't say, you know, I think I'm gonna give you a break today or uh, I think I'll you know, just kind of back off for a while. He's always coming at us and it's a battle and it will be until the Lord takes us home. But you stand on the firm foundation you continue to rest in his promises and know that as you are refreshed and renewed and as you trust in him, that you're gonna break through whatever the enemy has to you know, throw at you and come against you. And that's what here is being said. If you just turn to him, that the Lord's gonna rise up and he's gonna do the battle for you. And also Joshua 10 is another example that is given here to them uh, that uh, the victory for God in that long day in the Valley of Gibeon and it was uh, an amazing victory. His unusual act is God's going to rise up and his awesome work and that would include um, you know, uh, a work that uh, he's going to do in their lives as they turn to him but they're going to face judgment is what's going to happen because they refuse to turn to him. Listen, if you want life to be difficult, ignore the word of God. that's not because pastor jeff says those because that's what the bible says and you're going to get caught up in all kinds of confusion and discouragement if you go through life just not taking heed to the word of god and how many times do we see that in scripture take heed it means pay attention make sure that you are applying it in your life so when we come here that we're not only here to hear the word, but we're also to apply it in our lives. And there are times where commandments are given to us and there are times where we read his word and we think, how is that going to work, Lord? Or how am I going to be able to do this? And we can't do those things in our own strength. We can't figure out how everything's going to pan out. You want me to forgive this person that deserted me and hurt me? And those are real struggles that we can go through. But the Lord gives the imperative to forgive because He doesn't want that person to have power over you, and to be able to be free. Otherwise, the bitterness and the anger grows. Lord, I, I'm to do righteousness here in this situation. If I just compromise a little bit and lie some, then it's going to be better. No, it's not. It's going to get worse. And we don't always see the outcome of of what's going to happen. But as we just say, Lord, okay, this is what your word's telling me. You're going to see the Lord be faithful to his word in your life to you. So make sure that you're letting the Lord determine how it is that you react in whatever it is that you're facing in the circumstances. And he is going to show himself strong on your behalf as you do that. So here, it's interesting that there's a quick mention here of the tribulation period because I've heard from the Lord, verse 22, God of hosts, a destruction determined even upon the whole earth. And we know the one time that the whole earth is going to face destruction is when the tribulation period comes. And he goes on and he goes back to this message to Jerusalem and telling them to listen to the teaching of God, the importance of the word of God once again, that give ear and hear my voice, listen and hear my speech. Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? And when he has leveled its surface, how he not sow the black cumin? And scatter the cumin and plant the wheat in rows and barley in the appointed place and in the spelt in its place. Verse 26, where he instructs him in right judgment, his God teaches him. For the black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over the cumin. But the black cumin is beaten out with the stick and the cumin with the rod. And as we read this, relating the work of a God to the work of a farmer. And many of you work the land and you prepare the ground and you plant the ground and you have to irrigate and the harvest takes time but the harvest is going to come over time and it's the same with ministry it's the same as we are plowing we are planting we are watering there's going to be a harvest and that can be very discouraging and I'm sure those who, who farm that there's discouraging times when you work in the land and the harvest, you know, something happens and it's very difficult. And in ministry, as we're plowing and planting and watering, it can seem like there's not much of a harvest. But don't be discouraged. And I love what the Lord says to the Corinthian believers. And many of you, you know this verse, but I want to read it to you again that therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the lord listen whatever it is that you are doing for the lord in your labor of love for the lord raising your children in the ways of the lord taking care of elderly parents whether you're ministering here to the children in the nursery or in some other area of ministry you're discipling you're teaching uh, you you have a home fellowship you, you you're you know ministering to to whoever it may be that keep doing it don't get discouraged and i know how discouraging it can be i can get very discouraged and sometimes i leave this pulpit and i think lord am i doing any good Lord, is it making any sense? Is anything really happening? And there are seasons that we can go through that and just trust the Lord that, Lord, I'm going to keep plowing and I'm going to keep preparing and planting and I'm going to keep watering and eventually there's going to be a harvest. But listen, whatever it is that you're doing for the Lord, wherever he has placed you and where he's planted you, know that your work is not in vain. It's not in vain. And the Lord sees your work. So be steadfast, okay? Brothers and sisters, be steadfast and be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord and continue to move forward. And, you know, he's responsible for the results anyway. He keeps reminding me of that, that a steward, as 1 Corinthians 4 tells us, is found to be what? Faithful. That's one requirement. You just be faithful to what God has called you to do and where he has planted you. Be faithful to him. And as you do, then he's responsible for the results. And I like that because I'd rather have that anyway. Otherwise, I get weird and I try to strive and strain and make something happen, and that's never any good. (laughs) So, Lord, I'm just going to be faithful to you. I'm just going to keep doing what you called me to do. And, Lord, I want to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, that you enable me to do it, being sensitive to your leading. And, Lord, you're responsible for the results, and I just trust you with it, that you're going to complete that work that you began in me. And then in verse 28, uh, bread flour must be ground, and therefore he does not thresh it forever break it with his cartwheel or crush it with his horsemen and this also comes from the lord of hosts who is wonderful in counsel and excellence and guidance he's the wonderful counselor never forget that and what i hope and pray for all of us that when we lack wisdom or we need direction or lord i need to know what to do that we would go to him for counsel. And that's what we're going to see when we go into chapter 30, that they're going to be rebuked Israel because woe to the rebellious children of Israel for you seek counsel, but not of me. And again, there's a lot of voices out there, isn't there? Amazing how people watch hours of Oprah and Dr. Phil and all these other things, but they won't read their Bible. They won't look to God's word to guide them and direct them. And even as Paul would say in Colossians chapter two, that don't be cheated by man's philosophy and traditions of men and that which is not of Christ. Listen, go to him because in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And go to him for guidance, and he will guide you. His word is true for you today. And he has that wisdom for you in every area of your life to be able to walk in. So, I may mean, we go to him in, in guidance and in counsel, the wonderful counselor. And in chapter 29, woe to Ariel, to Ariel the city where David dwelt, add year to year lest feasts come around. Uh, Ariel uh, uh, means line of God. It's symbolic uh, of Jerusalem. And life would continue year after year and they would be unaware of the judgment that was coming. Even though Isaiah came on the scene and then later it's going to be Jeremiah would come on the scene and say, listen, you guys, turn to the Lord turn to him and trust in him give up these idols or it's going to be great death and destruction and devastation that's going to take place they would ignore jeremiah they ignored the lord and it was year after year they said nothing's going to happen to us and then when you go to ezekiel ezekiel tells us that they had the the mindset of you know we have the temple we trust in the temple the temple the temple and you see, people today, even though we are told in God's word that there's going to be judgment that's going to come on a Christ rejected world, and we see that we are in the last days, and yet there are going to be those, as Peter says in his epistle, those mockers that will come in the last days saying, Where's the coming of the Lord since your forefathers' times? Things just continue as they were. And you recall that Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 in the Olivet discourse, that Jesus said that you know the coming of the Son of Man is gonna be like the days of Noah and, and the days of Lot. Actually, he said that before the Olivet Discourse, that they're gonna be given to marriage and, and, and buying and selling and, and things go on as normal. They had no idea, those in Sodom and Gomorrah, that judgment was gonna come. Even Lot and his family thought, no way this is gonna happen. And we know that in the days of Noah, that there's Noah building that ark, a preacher of righteousness for 120 years, building that ark. What an incredible thing to see him build that ark. And and he's a preacher of righteousness. And here the earth is full of violence and it's full of immorality and sin. and, And he's preaching that judgment is going to come. It's going to rain. What do you mean it's going to rain? We've never seen it rain ever before. And he goes into the ark with his family and the Lord closes the door, they're sealed in the ark and it begins to rain they had no idea what was coming there are a lot of people that have no idea what is coming and the Lord gives us the privilege to be able to understand what is going to take place that's all going to culminate into the second coming of Jesus Christ and his return and when he rules and reigns here with his kingdom for a thousand years and we get to rule and reign with him and I don't know about you, but I kind of like to know, you know, what my future is going to be. And it's such a wonderful future. And he lets us in on, you know, what's going to happen The one who knows the end from the beginning. And I hope and pray that we wouldn't say, ah, things just continue as they were. Even as Paul would write concerning the day of the Lord, that is when it begins, the tribulation period, that when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction is going to come upon them. And Jesus did say in Luke chapter 21, in that uh, Olivet Discourse, that he said, listen, take heed to yourselves, lest you be weighed down with what? with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life and that day overtake you that day overtake you and isn't it interesting that we are told over and over again that the coming of the lord is like a thief in the night that it will be suddenly at a time when you're least expected and that's why i believe that the lord can come for his church at any time And we are to be watching and we're to be waiting and we're to continue to serve him. But I want to bring it home a little bit closer because it's true for us personally. You see, people will continue to live in compromise or in sin day after day after day. And they'll make up excuses. Well, you know, when I get at this point in my life or sometime I'll I'll give up this sinfulness or, you know, I, I don't want to do it right now. And I pray if there's anyone that is here that you know that the Lord's been dealing with you when it comes to sin or carnality, you're in a compromised situation and you've been saying, I'll wait or, you know, I can put it off or you've been ignoring it. Listen, stop. And today's the day to repent and to come out of this place saying that Lord, I'm going to stop living in this compromise, in this sin, in this carnality, whatever it might be. And he's calling you to do that today. He's speaking to your heart saying, turn to me, not tomorrow, not next week, next month, but turn to him today and live for him and surrender to him completely. Even as we read in, in chapter 28 in, in verse 15, he said, for we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. And, and he, he goes on to say that, that you know, we, we, because you have said we made a covenant with death and an overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. Whatever it is that you're sowing, there's gonna be a crop that's gonna come up. Because whatever... A man sows, so shall he reap. And that's why Galatians tells us, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. So whatever seeds you're planting today, there's gonna be a crop that's gonna come up. So turn away from it and turn to him and trust him that he's gonna work in your life and be refreshed and renewed and build upon the, the solid foundation that he has for you. In verse 2, yet I will distress Ariel. There shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be to me as Ariel. I will camp against you all around, and I will lay siege against you with a mound, and I will raise uh, siege works against you. And you shall be brought down. You shall speak out of the ground. Your speech shall be low out of the dust. Your voice shall be like a a, a medium's out of the ground, and your speech shall whisper out of the dust. So God's city is going to be besieged and conquered. And verse 5, moreover the multitude of your foes shall be like fine dust and a multitude of the terrible ones like chaff that passes away. Yes it shall be in an instant suddenly you will be punished by the Lord of hosts with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. The multitude, verse 7, of all the nations who fight against Ariel, even all who fight against Against her with her fortress and distress her she shall be as a dream of a night vision. It shall be even as when a hungry man dreams and looks and he eats, but he wakes, and his soul is still empty, or as when a thirsty man dreams and looks and he drinks, but he wakes, and indeed he is faint, and his soul still craves. so the multitude of all the nations shall be who fight against Mount Zion, so Jerusalem. We know historically what happened to Jerusalem, that Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., leveled, and then by the Romans in 70 A.D., which would include the second temple, just as Jesus said, not one stone would be left upon another. And now we know that here it's interesting that Isaiah is is talking about, I believe, the future here because as he says in verse uh, 7, and then also in verse eight, he says of all the nations who fight against Ariel. Again, so the multitude of all the nations who will fight against Mount Zion there in verse eight. We do know that what's gonna happen according to Zachariah's prophecies is that in that last battle, the battle of Armageddon that is spoken of in the scriptures, that there is going to be um, the, the nations of the world, Jerusalem is gonna be a cup of trembling is what the scripture says. And the nations of the world are going to come against Jerusalem. And Jerusalem and Israel eventually is going to be forsaken by all the nations. And when the scripture says all, that means all, which means our nation, unfortunately. To where Israel will find themselves alone. They will find themselves, you know, uh, just not being able to depend on anybody but the Lord. And as the city begins to, to fall into the enemy's hands, as Zechariah chapter 14 says, that's when the Lord's going to come. Joel chapter two speaks about how it's going to be, um, you know, the, 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 the leaders are going to blow the trumpets and call for a fast. And then the Lord's going to come in and save Jerusalem, those who fight against Zion. But that's what the prophecy has to say. So here, so the soul craves and the multitude of all the nations shall be who fight against Mount Zion. So Jerusalem, that's why we watch Jerusalem because it's the epicenter of end time prophecy. And of course, it's always in the news today. In that little tiny nation, the size of New Jersey is in the news today and what we see going on. I don't know if you know this, but Israel is celebrating their 70th anniversary today as a nation. Isn't that incredible? And as you look at their history, uh, this little tiny nation that, you know, all the neighbors around her said, we're going to push you into the sea and destroy you, that God has maintained them and will continue to maintain them and will save Jerusalem at that time. And so we continue in verse nine, pause and wonder, Uh, blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets and has covered your heads, namely the seers. So he's addressing here, the false prophets that came along. And actually they would come along and say, oh, Jerusalem's not going to be destroyed when it came to the Babylonians and they were destroyed, but they're, they're going to be dealt with by the Lord. Um, and uh, we see that uh, this spiritual blindness and stupor of Jerusalem, um, this indictment against those false prophets and seers. Listen again, there's a lot of voices out there today and we need to be wise and discerning in a day in which we are in. And we need to make sure that we're not caught in spiritual stupor and um, in this um, deception. The whole vision has become to you like the words of the book that is sealed, which man delivered to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And then the book is delivered to the one who is illiterate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. And as we read this, uh, they are illiterate. In other words, they're not receiving the truth of God's word. They had watered down the word to where it was really meaningless is what it was. And therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. So Jesus quotes this actually in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 15, to the religious leaders. They were religious, but they were far from God. He said, you make the word of God of no effect and you draw near to me with your mouth and you honor me, but your hearts are so far from me. And they really were. In verse 14, uh, we see that it reminds me here, as he says, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. I, I want to end with this tonight. We'll-, we'll stop here tonight. He said, I will do a marvelous work. It reminds me of Acts chapter four, when Uh, Peter and John and those guys were brought before the religious leaders and they perceived that they were untrained and uneducated men but they marveled because they had been with Jesus these fishermen how Peter stood up, he's quoting scripture and he's preaching and and thousands are getting saved there in Jerusalem it reminds me of what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that God chooses the foolish things and the weak things of the world um, to confound the wise and uh, put down the strong and the things that are not to put to not the things that are, that no man shall glory in his presence. Listen, he's doing a marvelous work and he's doing a marvelous work here and he wants to continue to use us. And the one that he's gonna use is the one who's grounded in the word of God. who's gonna be able to minister to others the truth of God's word in this mixed up, messed up, confusing world. He wants to do such a marvelous work with you and with this congregation, I am thoroughly convinced of that. I am thoroughly convinced of that. That he wants to continue to just just use us in a way as we grow in the word, as we trust in him, yield it to him in every way. As we go out of this place, we all have a ministry. And as we touch other people's lives, just continue to grow in the word. Give people the word of God, will you? Let's, let's do that. Let's give them the word of God. Let's give them the truth of God's word and let it touch others because the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword that pierce the hearts of the people that we talk to. So Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for today's lesson and just help me get through the sniffles and everything else. But Lord, your word doesn't return void. And we've gone over so many very important principles and, and things for us to take home. Lord, help us not grow weary in doing good. Help us not grow weary, but be immovable and steadfast, abounding in the work of the Lord. You're not done with us, any of us here. You want to use us to continue to minister to our children, to our grandchildren, to those at work, to our families, to coworkers, to be used of you. And Lord, may we be wise in the scripture and point people to the wonderful counselor. So Father, I thank you that we can come to this place and be encouraged in that. And we know that your word is true. And I pray that that every day we keep our eyes on you, looking to you, Lord. That maybe today, Lord, that you'll come for us, for the church, but we don't know. In the meantime, we want to keep about the Lord's business. We want to occupy till you come. We've been given a mina and we want to invest it so that we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So Lord, encourage everyone. I pray that you guide those who need guidance. You bless those who need wisdom and provision and strength, who need a touch from you, a healing from you. Lord, I pray that we would come and rest in your promises and know that you love us and that love remains. So Lord, just bless the rest of our week as we leave this place. And Lord, if there's anything that is going on in our lives that you're dealing with, maybe it's attitudes, maybe it's deliberate sin and transgression that we would turn from it And we would confess it right now. Not make excuses. But Lord, help us. Because those things can hold us in bondage. Those things can have a grip on our lives. We ask that you would free free anyone here that needs that. That we would all walk out of here with a good conscience and the desire to live for you, not live for the world or for ourselves. So Lord, I thank you for tonight. And I do pray if there's anyone here that maybe you don't even know if you're saved or you're not right with God, that in a minute, as we're going to have one of the pastors up to, to pray, come up and talk to him. Jesus loves you and he died for you. He desires for you to come to him in faith and recognize that you are a sinner and that he is your salvation. Come and tell them that you desire to really receive the gospel and to know about salvation, what it means to believe in Jesus, because they're here to minister to you. So, our Lord, I thank you for tonight. Take everyone home safely, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?